Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Conquer the Gauntlet Pro and Strength and Speed owner, Evan Paris. We've got a guest on the line today. Before we get to him, though, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Yoked. If you're not familiar with Yoked, it is per- powdered fertilized egg yolk. It comes in these little packets. You're supposed to essentially eat it with protein. And the clinical trials show three times the muscle growth uh, compared to a placebo. So show some good clinical trials there. Uh, it actually tastes really good. Like the little packets, I when I eat one, I want I want there to be more. Like I want to eat a big bowl full of it, which sounds weird. Uh, but it, it actually is really good. You can head over and check them out. Check out the, the actual study on their website, www.yoked.com. And if you want to order some, Strength 20 gets you 20% off every order, and you can reuse that as many times as you want. All right, we're going to be talking about strength stuff, so let me introduce our guest. We have... Eric Dilly on the line. So, Eric, say hi. Pretty good. Let me read a quick version of your bio, and then we'll jump into the podcast and cover about what we're going to be talking about. So, as a kid, he was into extreme sports. High school, played football and ran track. Uh, afterwards, got into drugs pretty heavy until about 2013. In rehab, he was introduced to CrossFit and OCR, and he continued CrossFit out of rehab for six months fell about 30 feet off a mountain and broke his femur, ankle, and both hands. So pretty serious injury there. And then all he wanted to do was run in that point. at that point. So he kind of got into OCR, became an ACE-certified personal trainer and Spartan SGX coach in 2017. He's been racing for three years. First race was a warrior dash and kind of a big strength athlete there. So um, in addition to doing CrossFit, he specializes in things like the DRX games, which we're going to talk about on this episode. And he's also a sponsored athlete for Nightmare Challenge, which is part of the Ohio Grand Slam, which we're also going to talk about. And then other than that, uh, his biggest struggle, is say, is balancing work, training, racing, and his nonprofit, which is called uh, Be Addicted to Life, which we're going to talk about that a little bit more, too. So, Eric, uh, welcome. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, so let's kind of... Like I want, like I said, I want to talk about the Ohio Grand Slam because uh, that's super interesting, and the DRX games. But before we get into that, let's find out a little bit more about you. So, you mentioned you were heavily involved with drugs. So, kind of take us through that process: how you went from, you know, athlete in high school into drugs, and then into your competitive side where you at, you're at now. Yeah, um, I mean, I got started with getting my heart racing. I like that, that adrenaline, you know, cliff jumping. I, I did aggressive inline skating. So I was, I was jumping off roofs and grinding down handrails and that sort of thing. Well, uh, I was also a Jehovah's witness and that kind of kept me away from organized sports and competition for, for the most of my, my childhood. I found out I was pretty good at, at football. The coaches kind of I, – I started working out. My cousins, they're, they're, they were big football players. And I called up Brandon. I said, said, hey, can I come work out with you guys? And they guys work out there. And he, 
he certainly had to let me come. And the coaches found out that they wanted me on their team. So I started when I was a junior. Um, I was a, a JV. I played JV football and went from there my senior year. I was, oh, what is that, honorable mention, um, most valuable player for like four out of the six games. I mean, I, I did pretty well, but I didn't want to go to college afterwards. Um, it had a lot to do with just my upbringing. And I just ended up diving into drugs headfirst after that, you know. I mean, it started small. It started with, you know, you, you drink on the weekends after your football games because you won or you drink because you lost. You always have a reason to. And I, I felt like that was what the cool kids did. You know, I, I wanted to be accepted. And so it's kind of the route I went, you know. Um, it got worse and worse. I ended up starting pills and dove into heroin. Um, overdosed on heroin with my son in the car. Jeez. And yeah, yeah, that's like the worst decision I've ever made in my entire life. Um, it's a pretty dramatic story. Um, like, uh, I had just been, I just got done doing my last weekend in jail for like, uh, I was driving under suspension and I was, I was pretty excited that I wasn't, I was done with my jail time. And I got a, a bag of a dope and it was real good. And I, I, looked at my wife at the time I was like tomorrow I'm getting two bags well um I woke up I'm a big believer in um you know we have a design life and sometimes we have to look for the design to know where we got to go um and when you look back on your life it's like you can kind of see these moments where life is trying to tell you not to do something well I woke up at my mom's house lived in a um we lived in this trailer park at the time and um i had this minivan it was a 98 dodge caravan well i went out to the car and the tires flat it's like a 20 minute drive from uh lancaster which is where i came from so i don't know how it just like got flat all of a sudden well i had to try to find a donut couldn't find i mean these these minivans evan you can't <laughs> i'm looking and it like like for like a car how cars, you know, you open up the trunk and that's in there. Well, I couldn't find it because it was underneath the bottom. And so it had been rusted shut and I'm sitting in this gravel trying to bust it open. And I finally bust it open. And once, once I get the, the tire off and it's, you have to guide it through this cable, um, like a needle and thread. Well, I pull it off and I realize I don't have a, a jack and I don't have a lug wrench either. So I have to go start knocking on doors. And I knocked on about three or four doors before I came to this parking lot that's filled with every, that has a kitchen sink. It has um, washers and dryers and refrigerators. I mean, it was a, like a small little junkyard, you know? So he guy that answers the door, come out and he ended up giving me, he, he, you know, took me over to his, his pile of jacks and he gave me a lug, a four-way lug wrench and said that one of them will fit and I can just keep it, just bring the jack back. Well, finally I ended up getting the tire put on my car the only problem was I didn't have any money so I had to go in and find out I collected these DVDs over a lifetime man um and you know Adam Sandler movies and uh, old football movies like Friday Night Lights and the program well uh I I take them to the pawn shop and 
in Lancaster, Ohio, and they didn't want them. But they had a it was like a mini blockbuster movies in there, honestly. Um, but I convinced them that I was going to get my school check because I was in school at the time. I was going to come back and get my DVD as well. I never had that opportunity. You see, I um, took the money, got two bags of of heroin, and when I shot them up in the car, uh, I turned blue. My wife at the time she uh, she she grabbed me and she starts like punching me like there's only two things you can do to a heroin addict when they fall out when they when they get to this this when they balance that line a little too far um one is throw them in a cold shower and and the other is you hit them you hit them as hard as you can and, and try to wake them up well um she didn't have a shower so she's hitting me My son's in the back seat and eventually she pulls over when when i'm i'm blue i'm blue blue and I fall out of the car when she opens the door. My son's in the backseat crying. And uh, they uh, neighbors had seen uh, the whole episode unfolding. So they called 911. They put me, when they got there, they put me on a stretcher and tubes in my throat. And these tubes, when they go in your throat, they're breathing for you, right? Because I wasn't breathing. So it's kind of like you feel like Darth Vader, you know. <laughs> well, I woke up. Um, as they were pushing me into the hospital and everything was kind of like when you look underwater and everything's foggy. Um, so I could see, but that's when I realized I couldn't breathe. Cause when I tried to breathe, it hurt cause these things were in my, my throat you know, through my esophagus, like breathing for me. And, um, this voice was like, did you, did you do heroin? And I said, yeah, nodding my head. Next thing I know, um, I wake up again and I'm in a, the hospital bed. They tied taking the, tubes out of my throat and I ended up going to jail that day um so everything changed uh you know I, I was the funny thing about addicts man um and, and living that life I was a good dad I made a lot of bad decisions but like um when when I was high it wasn't like I wasn't enjoying my son's company I take him to um parks made lesson plans for him I was teaching him how to write his name and I I left a pretty big impact on him because, you know, even after I, I left, because I had to get away, um, I, I just couldn't – I wanted to get clean so bad, and I, I just couldn't do it, man. Um, I just kept falling back. It's like they want, want you to jump through hoops of fire, change your whole life in an instant. You know, like you go from I'm just working and going to school and not, not getting in trouble, quote, unquote. Um, and then once you get out of jail, it's like, they don't want you to get a job. They they uh, want you to go to 98 meetings, 90 days. And uh, they want you to live in the homeless shelter. And they didn't even want me to drive my car. They said, you got a place you can just leave it because you can just walk to these places. You, and, you know, in my mind, I'm like, man, that set me up for failure. And sure enough, I couldn't do it. Well, I, I moved to Florida. Uh, when I moved to Florida, um, you know, my addiction came with me. I used all kinds of, it started off with drinking again and then um, crack and uh, crack turned into pills and pills turned into meth and meth went back. It just went all, all over the place. Um, well, one day I, I had blown through like $300. I'm sitting in this abandoned uh, house talking to my sister on the phone and all my cracks gone, all my money's gone. And I'm, I called her up and I was like, Monica, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And she goes, you ready? I'll, I'll get you. Come. I was like, no, nah, I'm not ready right now, but it's soon. It's soon. Um, I can't be doing this much more longer. So she ended up contacting this organization called Hope Without Dope. 
And uh, shortly after, you know, a couple of weeks later, I, I called her up and I said, Monica, I'm ready. And she got me a plane ticket that day. And, um, well, she within a couple of days. And I ended up coming home. And I did ten, nine, nine months uh, uh, with my freedom taken away from me. Five months in jail, four months in rehab. So that nine months is super symbolic to me, Evan. It's, you know, I, I really, I feel like that was a point of rebirth for me. Um, Cra- that's a crazy story. I mean, that is that is insane. And um, uh, to see you, like, pull from such a low depth, you know, to where you are now is truly inspiring what is it that you think you know i i mean i don't i don't know personally i don't know the statistics but yeah i think a lot of people go down that route and never never come back you know they end up in and out of jail for the rest of their lives or they overdose or you know they essentially die like what is it that you think allowed you to pull yourself uh, from that depth yeah to be completely honest it was uh, a large part of my upbringing, I think, it kept me from doing a lot of really bad things. You know, I was raised Jehovah's Witness, and um, so I mean, I'd steal from stores, but like I could never steal from people. Um, I, I tried my hardest because I knew I was doing things wrong. I was trying my hardest not to lie. Um, so as far as making some really, really bad decisions that could have put me away for a lot longer, you know, like grand theft auto or burglary and, and these types of things. Um, uh, I, I was pretty petty when it comes to the, the as far as criminal. Um, but what really brought me back was, you know, it's, it's funny, man. We have to learn. You know, learning is super important. Um, and it was almost as if I had to learn certain lessons before the next chapter of my life unfolded. Um, one of those things I had to learn was that uh, – I was kind of lying to myself about things and it, it all like this, this part started. It was like a real sharp realization that kind of stung. Um, last time I got out of jail in Florida, I, I walked into this gas station in Zephyr Hills and I just smoked a, a bunch of weed and um, had this Bible in my back pocket. And I, I wanted so badly to be close to God. Well, uh, and I didn't want to worship the money that I was always, always chasing. I wanted to recognize that this is first. Well, I, I bought my drink and I kind of shuffled out of the store. And when I was leaving the gas station attendant, he, he talked to the person that was behind me. He's like, man, can you believe how messed up that guy was? And he kept his money in a Bible too. And I stopped for a second, man. And like, I just remember it's like a sharp, like, eh. And so I wasn't the person who I thought I was. That was that was one thing that started to open the doors, and another was uh, foresight. You see, like um, I never really thought about uh, the end of my the consequences, right? So, you know, my grandpa stopped talking to me after my overdose with Peyton, and he stopped talking to me. Like he didn't talk to me at all. He didn't want to see me. My grandma would answer the phone. My my mom would always answer the phone, but my grandpa he. He's like the one man that I'll love more than any other person in the world. You know what I mean? Um, I spent a lot of time with him growing up. He didn't want to talk. Well, uh, slowly after some things, I started realizing that he's going to die. Like he would die with worry on his heart because I didn't get my shit together. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. Like he was going to die with, with, and that was my fault. You know, he can't control those emotions. So like I, I hit deep, man. And the other part was my son. Um, I had this, uh, it's, it's really, I keep, it's so weird. These, these things that happen. Well, um, I was at, uh, Crescent Lake with my, my wife at the time and we're taking pictures and stuff. I had, she took a picture of me with the cell phone, I had bags under my eyes. And, um, she says, Eric, you kind of look like Peyton right there. And I don't know where my mind was. I was probably up for a couple of days, but for some reason, for some reason, Evan, my mind shot forward in time to this time where Peyton didn't understand why dad never came home. He didn't understand uh, what, what had happened. And he went and retraced my steps because it, he had to figure it out. And when that real, that was one of those other realizations where I was able to kind of look in the future and see what would happen. And that's a huge thing, man. And the last was I had to realize that I couldn't get clean with my, my ex-wife, you know, uh, I used to take pride in, you know, being so in love with her and so in love with the drug and it all balancing out. Um, but eventually with enough time spent apart, you know, that, that feeling of love diluted farther and farther. And, uh, the drug kind of took a hold of her and, um, it was just, so I, I knew I couldn't get clean. It wasn't going to happen. So that's, those are the three big things that kind of moved me forward as far as the realizations along with, you know, God and my upbringing, keeping me from making some really bad decisions. Gotcha. Now you go to, you know, those nine months, you're on the path to recovery and tell me about how fitness kind of came into your life and how that. Yeah. Yeah. So every time I go to jail, man, I, I, I bit my time with pushups. Um, one person told me, he's like, man, if you, when you get out, you should be a personal trainer. Cause man, if I look like you, I'd want to, I, I, I want to, you know, tr- get trained by a guy that looks like you, you know? And I was like, oh, I never thought about being a personal trainer. And people would come around me and they, they'd want to do pushups. And I'd, it was, it was easy. I felt confident asking people to, Hey, come work out with me. Um, so that kind of happened naturally when I was in jail. But when I went to rehab, um, Andrew Klein, he owns, uh, a gym called CrossFit Alpha Pack out of um, Portsmouth. He does some volunteer work with the Star Justice Center, and he comes in there like once a week, puts people through a bodyweight CrossFit workout, and um, you know talks to people there. And when and we would call Mr. Klein when he came in, and he was telling me about this whole world that I was missing. And the way he described it to me was, I mean, it, it was insignificant to him, but to me, I was like there's people out there that like, like train like this and, and they go hard and they're a team and there's competitions. You're kidding me. He's like, no. And if you go to a CrossFit box anywhere in the United States, they're going to welcome you in there because you're CrossFit. And I was like, are you serious? And I'm like, I'm like so engulfed in what he's telling me. So when I got out, I was looking for a CrossFit gym and turns out one of my best friends from high school, Katie Woodall, um, she was into CrossFit. And so I started going with her when I got out. Nice. And then how did that lead to OCR and, you know, how much, how much do you have your foot in CrossFit now and OCR? Like what's the balance there? Ah, okay. So it's, it's total OCR now, but, um, you see 
there's a couple of magazines we had in, in star and one of them, there was a tough mutter like article and I had all these people like wearing headbands and, and going through all these crazy obstacles. And I remember looking at it and the people I was hanging out with, I was like, wouldn't it be sweet to have a team and go travel and do this kind of stuff, man, that'd be so awesome. And, um, after I broke my leg, that's all I wanted to do was run. Um, cause I couldn't run anymore. Like, uh, my I had a boot and um, I had a nail put in my leg. Well, it took a while to recover, and that that kind of developed a lot of persistence in trying to run. Therefore, the, my therapist at one point told me I couldn't run. He like he forbid me to run because I was running like a baby deer, um, like hurt baby deer. Um, well, so once I started uh, getting getting that clearance and going through all my my therapy. That's all I want to do was be able to do backflips again and do all these things again. And I had to keep putting my race day farther and farther away. So I'd turn my race into a volunteer moment. And so I started volunteering all these races. Um, and my first one was that warrior dash and I fell in love. I, I dude, I, I went out so hard and I was doing, I thought I was doing so good and I just busted within the first mile. And, um, and I died, dude. I straight died. I was I was laying on the ground, and I don't even know why I drank that beer afterwards. Oh gosh, that made everything so much worse. And my sister, I'm so glad my sister came with me because there was no way I was driving home. And I was like, that was the craziest experience of my life. But I don't think I've ever felt that bad. I don't, other than DRX games, man. That that was. Man, when I went to the DRX games, I, I was so glad that they took a little bit between that last, the sixth, um, sixth event in the race because I had to take every minute to recover. I had no idea I would be that taxed after all those events, man. So what year was the Warrior Dash in? Uh, let's see. Um, so we're in 2019, 2008. 2017 i think 2000, yeah. maybe late 2016 gotcha it might have been late 2016 at the end of the season gotcha and you mentioned very briefly the drx games and those uh, different events so i think not all of our listeners are maybe familiar with the drx games. so take us through the format of that event oh man so i don't even know how i heard about the drx games in the beginning but I was like, oh, it's just a minute. Oh, man, that's going to be the cake. A minute of, of pulling a tire and, and doing box jumps and jump and climbing rope. It's like, I got this. Well, so you get there, and it's uh, a nice little atmosphere, you know. Um, and then the events are set up where you get enough rest because of the – there's like four people that can go at a time. And – they time everything and then they take those times and then they, they make the point system out of that. Well, the first event was a tire pull and drag. And I mean, I'm pretty strong, but I just, I'm not accustomed to that sort of thing. So that was by far my worst event. Um, it was just heavy, man, trying to pull it and run it back, pull it and run it back as many times as you can. You just, you stand on this board and uh, it's a nice, nice size tire that's connected to a rope and you pull it all the way to you. And once it gets to you, you pick it up and run it back and you keep repeating that. Um, and then I think the second event was, uh, I think it was a, a rope climb. 
and it's a most of us didn't use our our feet and next year i'm gonna use my feet because the guy that won used his feet <laughs> and my biceps were toast after that oh gosh but i came in second i i didn't kind of come in first in any of these um came in second in, in that um and then we had a, a tire jump came in second on that uh, and it was, it's a low tire jump. So it's like a box jump and man, those are like rapid fire. I don't think I could have got, I don't know how first place got out. It's just ridiculous, man. He must've just barely snuck one in there when I, I tripped or something a little bit. Um, so I was smoking on that. And then there's the, uh, after that, there's a tire flip, which I was doing amazing at. I was doing fantastic. And then someone screamed. It was, um, uh, what's his name? with with war x anyway he was screaming and for some reason i thought he well, i was supposed to stop and everyone else kept going and then i had to start again and so that would have uh helped me out a little bit but that was a fun one the big tire flip after the tire flip we have um like a farmer's carry where you got like cement buckets and i, I smoked through that and uh, then there's an atlas carry um smoked through that and that, but after you get done with all these, I mean, you got to go hard. You know what I mean? It's just a minute. And some of them aren't even a minute. Like the Atlas carry, it's just you go as hard as you can, as fast as you can, get back as quick as you can, and you're done. So, I mean, it's an all-out explosion of every bit you have. And you do that six times, man. My body was just like – was like <laughs> quivering on the ground. I couldn't move. Um, and then we had the 3K afterwards, right? So – that 3K, because of all six of those ops, uh, all six of those events, man, was tough. I wasn't expecting it to be that tough, but my legs were just jello, man. So, um, it's by far, uh, it's a it's a great end to my my season. You know, like I have my my OCR season, and it's normally from late May until uh, September, and then I try to I cut it, you know, cut it off then, so I can focus on other things. But, you know, having a, a couple things here and there, I mean, the DRX Games is an is a awesome, awesome uh, event. Well, I have not experienced uh, personally the DRX Games yet, but I have done uh, Taki's, you know, Dirt Runner course for Midwest Mayhem and Warrior Rush. So I know some of the yeah. obstacles you're talking about, but I've never done them all out for a minute, which, you know, and I think, I think you hit it on the head, you know, you're like, oh, it's only a minute, but if you're putting in max effort for a minute, like it's going to be awful, you know, like oh, if it's not yeah. awful, you're not trying hard enough at that point. <laughs> you're yeah. right, man. Yeah. And when is the DRX games? So Taki used to hold them at the permanent OCR venue, Dirt Runner, which is in Marcel, Illinois, but recently he took the show on the road. So there he's actually traveling around for the game. So do you know uh, when's the DRX games this year and what's the location? Uh, the location is at the black diamond obstacle course and it is, is it in September or August? I think it's in late August, isn't it? I think it's, I believe it's August 25th. August. Yeah. The last weekend in August. Um, it's on a Sunday, which is, which is great. Um, cause the, the JCC isn't open on Saturday. So I think there's a race that weekend on so I'll be going to the DRX games right after that race. Yeah, Taki usually likes to hold his events on Sunday. So uh, the Black Diamond Obstacle Course, we've had Jason Goggins, the owner, 
on the podcast before, but that's where it's going to be held. It's in Ohio. Yeah. Uh, what's the town again? For Columbus. Columbus, Ohio. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Columbus, Ohio. So if you want to hit it up, definitely check it out, especially if you're more of a strength guy and less of a runner because the only running is the 3K. Everything else is basically OCR-specific movements, kind of like a – I think of it as like OCR strongman, you know, like there's the individual events and they rank you and then that determines your overall, your overall ranking. And how did you end yeah. up doing at the event? Well, it turns out when you're the best second place finisher there, you come in second place at the end too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I finished second and and most of them, I think there's, I, I placed in the only two I didn't were the tire flip and the tire pull everything else was second place, including the run. All I wanted, like, the cool thing is about the DRX games is the, the awards. You know, it's nice winning money and, and on that podium, but there's something better uh, and in some respects when you can hang something on your wall that you can't spend. You know, like, it's going to be there. So you get this Atlas stone um, if you come in first. And then if you come in first on the race, you get this lightning bolt. Um, and then the medals for, for podiums are like they're three-dimensional skulls that got some weight to them. I mean, I think, I think he uh, makes them himself, doesn't he? Yeah, I believe he does. The, all the awards I have from uh, Dirt Runner are all awesome. And I think, you, again, you hit it on the head there. You know, like I have a golden dragon skull. It's like made of concrete. It's, it's, oh. it's legit. I have a... Um, it's like a skull inside of like a Spartan helmet, also concrete, golden. I've got a giant nice. spear. I've got a sword. Um, and and I, I actually agree with you with the, you know, I win money from a lot of these events and I can't tell you where that money goes. Like, yeah, I don't know, it goes into my bank account or, you know, I pay for my hotel. I, I don't even know. Um, yeah. But I like being able to hang something on my wall and look at it and it's a representation of, you know, years of hard work. And one day mm-hmm. where it kind of all comes together and uh, you put your body on the line. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, man, you got a collection over there, don't you? I do. I got a, yeah, I've, like a small museum. I, yeah. <laughs> my like office, national treasure over at Evans House. Yeah, my office, it, um, I basically have a room downstairs where it's, you know, like all my OCR stuff, all my OCR gear, and then all my trophies, and then where I'm recording this podcast. and Anyone who orders like bleg mitts or books, like it ships from ships from down here in the office in the podcast nice. room. So, yeah. Um, and then DRX Games is also supposed to be coming to Kansas City later this year. I believe it's November second. I'm going to double check that uh, before the end of the podcast. So, the two opportunities there to get the DRX Games in. And do you remember who won first when you competed? Kevin. Uh, Kevin Wimmer. Okay. Yeah, and it's because he came in first on the rope climb because he used his legs. <laughs> <laughs> Good tip for people. I know in the past, uh, Christopher Balvin, who's from Strength and Speed, has won. And I know Jordan Buscemi, who's a Spartan pro, he's also won. Uh, but what I like is, like, Christopher Balvin, he's a bigger guy. He's more muscle. You know, he's not typically not winning OCRs, but because mm-hmm. it's so strength-based, it allows a different type of athlete to shine. So maybe – someone who might be a little bit better at things like uh, TMX type stuff, you know, might be, yeah. might be more suited for this. So. Absolutely. Cool. Now let's get into the Ohio grand slam. Now, if any of 
you have picked up my latest or one of my latest books, Mud Run Guides Ultimate OCR Bucket List. It had it covers both the DRX Games Dirt Runner series of events, and it also covers the Ohio Grand Slam. The Ohio Grand Slam is a bunch of local OCRs that came together and created essentially a series, and uh, has some great courses, some very unique obstacles. Frankly, it's one of the coolest series in my opinion in the country because each course is unique and run by its own race director and its own owner. So there's, it's not like you're doing the, you know, the Spartan national series where it's the same obstacles on the same, you know, basically the same, uh, course, uh, minus, you know, terrain and uh, stuff like that. But, um, one of the ops, one of the series is called nightmare challenge. And we've talked about some of the other series on this podcast before, but we haven't talked about nightmare challenge. So take us a little bit through nightmare challenge, how long it is, how many obstacles, some of the highlights. Yeah. Yeah. So the nightmare challenge is a 5k so it's 3.1 and it takes you through the woods um there isn't a whole lot of open running it takes place so lee and lisa they have they started this trail it's called like a a night of terror trail for halloween so all through the trail there's like um like legs sticking up and there's there's things that are like permanent like when you pull up to park there's a hearse with like a body inside well um, so you come out into the, the opening to start out and, you know, it's got like a little windy hill that you go up and it goes immediately into some woods. Um, lots of uphills and downhills are, they're sharp climbs. It's, it's very muddy where you're, you're not going to get out of there without getting some mud on you. Um, I, I'd say how many obstacles, I think there's, there's over 20 for sure. Uh, all kinds of different difficulty on them since most of them are permanent obstacles. I think all of them are permanent obstacles, actually. They're, they're all season, but like they have monkey ropes. So it's just monkey bars where you're using ropes to go through um, as the bars. And that's, I've never had that in any other race. Like, and I've done quite a few. Those are the, that's the only time I've done monkey ropes. Um, it's got a rock wall you climb. And when you get to the top of these taller obstacles they have, they all sway. They all go back and forth a little bit, so it's kind of creepy. I mean, they're totally sturdy. I mean, it's just they're taller obstacles. So um, when you come down on them, uh, they get pretty muddy towards the end. And then they have Mean Green. So Mean Green is like arguably Ohio's toughest obstacle. Um, when I first did the Nightmare Challenge, I'm battling for first, second, and third. It was one of the most fun races, racing experiences I've had where you're just kind of, you know, in there with two other guys, like, going back and forth. Well, when we got up to um, Mean Green, like, none of us could get through right away. So, uh, every single one of us dropped off, and slowly everyone started catching up. And finally, I think it was Jamie Case he was the first person to make it through and he ended up winning first place. So it's one of those obstacles. That's just like, um, it's a game changer for people, right? You have to know the technique to get through it. Um, and then they have another one, which is called uh mini, mini mean green, I think mini green. And it's like, you go uphill and you, um, they're like uh, rings only they're tires. So, uh, you, you're traveling at a uphill with like monkey tires and it finishes with this huge, huge mud, massive mud puddle 
with a, a mound of mud with ropes coming down and the not the last one but the year before me and Matt Mullins we got there at the same time we just kind of looked at each other and we stopped for a moment looked at each other and just went and he was the first person to get up and he, he took first place that, that that day and I ended up getting second but uh yeah man lots of lots of good racing experiences there every every race that I've had there has been been memorable I've talked to people um and they're like man this is harder than any Spartan race I've done this is the hardest race I've done all season um, so the difficulty is definitely there because of the terrain um, and the obstacles. But as far as uh, it, would, it would be nice if, if there was more competition that came out there as well. We, we have a good showing, but um, I just, I'd like to have more competition out there, you know? Yeah. I think it's just a matter of getting the word out there a little bit better. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I mean, they pay 250 bucks for the first place winner. I mean, that's a big payout, right? Second yeah, place so, gets 150 bucks. And I mean, especially for a small, smaller race venue. So like, uh, third place, I gets a hundred bucks. Right. Um, so, I, and then how much all the entry? age groups, how much is entry usually? I think it's like 70 bucks, okay. um, late entry fee, something like that. Yeah, so I, I know some people who are like, oh, the you know the payout's smaller than a Spartan race. It's like, yeah, well, if they're charging you half the entry price, you know, like the yeah. payout's probably going to be smaller. You know, it's a risk. Yeah, it's like it's like betting, right? If you if you play smaller up front, you know, you're probably going to get less of a return. So if you actually look at mm. a lot of these smaller venues, if you look at the cost of cost of entry compared to like what you get back if you win, um, mm -hmm. sometimes it's actually it's a, you, you get a better return on your investment. Um, Excluding yeah. obviously uh, travel and hotel costs, but which may mm -hmm. add things. But at the same time, it's like you were saying, it's a unique experience uh, versus um, if you go to a series race, it's basically going to be the same wherever you go minus the terrain. So, mm -hmm. yeah, the the whole um, Grand Slam is it's amazing, man. Like uh, being able to um, meet personally with the owners of the races. I mean, they're there they they put their blood they put their sweat into the races they're working on them um all year long trying to keep them up uh and then they have their other jobs so they're they're doing their own marketing and everything so it's nice being able to like say hi and you know tell the person that put this on like your opinion of it you know um i mean they're all right there to talk to you you know um shake your hand encourage you I mean, it's, it's, it's a homey welcoming atmosphere for sure. It's, it's a different feel than when you go to, um, uh, one of like a, a Spartan race. There's so many people at a Spartan race, you know, um, you go to the, the, the local races. It's kind of like, I mean, I guess you can get the same community, um, when you go there long enough, but it's just, I like the, the homey type feel. Yeah. Concur. Concur. Now, what are the, uh, races in the ohio grand slam okay so the yeah the first one kicks off with the black diamond uh, memorial day mayhem it's every year on memorial day uh the second one this year was the black swamp dash it's a ocr world's qualifier and it's uh it's it's fun it's located uh in north ohio near toledo in, in ottawa county at the ottawa county fairgrounds um, the third race is Indian Mud Run, which provides an awesome experience. Uh, 
I mean, you can you can look into the Indian mud run. It's got nothing but fantastic reviews. I mean, the obstacles are just insane. Um, it's got a good distance. They have a Chiefs Challenge where you're racing. If you can complete the the course, which is like something, it's almost seven miles, like six six or something like that. If you complete the whole thing three times, then uh, you you get an award at the end, like a authentically made Indian arrow. Um, the awards you get spears for for podiums, uh, tomahawks, all of it's authentic Indian made. Um, and then the next one after that would be Nightmare Challenge. And the last one this year, which is tomorrow, is Mud Ninja. And Mud Ninja, you get swords, man. Like, it says Mud Ninja on there. It's like a ninja sword. <sighs> Hang that on my wall. <laughs> yeah, and they give those out not only for overall, but also for age group. So if you can podium yeah. in the age group, you get a, you get a sword, like a and depending on where you podium determines the length of your sword. So if you get <laughs> yeah. first, you get a bigger sword than the guy who came in third um, for age groups. So yeah, if our listeners, you know, are new to the podcast and want to go back and listen, uh, the Jason Goggins episode, we cover Memorial Day Mayhem, which is at Black Diamond OCR. Uh, Black Swamp Dash, uh, we've, had, um, we've had the owners on before. Troy and Sandy? Yep, Troy and Sandy. Uh, Anthony? We've had them on. That was one of our early episodes, uh, season one there. And Indian Mud Run, we've had Hubie Cushman on earlier this year. And Mud Ninja, if you go back and listen to the Amy Padgett episode, we talk about Mud Ninja and that. And I think we actually talk about Indian Mud Run and Black Swamp Dash and that one also too. So counting you, now we have a more, that we have the uh, Nightmare Challenge covered. So that's it. We got all of them. I feel I feel better about myself. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I definitely like to give back to the local uh, race series because I think that's I think they're just a ton of fun. So yeah, absolutely. And and this year I started just out of out of fun. Um, it'd be nice to see where it goes. I started ranking everybody. I, I take all the results from um, each race, and then everyone just gets a, a basic point system. So if you place top twenty overall, um, you get face value of your points so if you get first place you get one point if you get 20th place you get 20 points if you attended the race you get 25 if you didn't attend the race then you get 30 points um and so I, i've been keeping track of that and um so maybe maybe sometime in the future like it's it, at the point system is is um more official right so yeah. that's super exciting it's just fun, something fun to look at right now though you know what i mean yeah, I, 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 you definitely is taking a steps in the right direction, right? I mean, you, you do this one year, and then next year you email a couple of companies and ask them to throw in some, some sponsor gifts for you know top three or whatever, and uh, you know maybe eventually you get prize money in there for the, you know essentially the series. So I think it's a great step in the right direction. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of companies that it's usually a lot easier to get product out of uh companies than it is to get money because they they can see their product going into the hands of people versus money you know it's like all right well that money's gone i don't know what they're spending it on (laughs) it's it's yeah yeah i mean um giving away product for some of the events i've done and uh it's a nice nice touch and people use it and yeah i think you're heading in the right direction i think that'll be cool to see the actual series kind of come together Mm -hmm. officially and i know if you do all the races you get a special award yeah yeah regardless so of you your placement do, 
Yeah, like if you do four of the races, you get a T-shirt. If you do all five races, you get a T-shirt. And the T-shirts are nice, man. You know, they're nice and soft. It's multicolored. I'm actually wearing it right now. Um, and then if you do all five of them, you get a medal hanger to put each one of the medals um, from the series on it. And if anyone owns Mud Run Guide's Ultimate OCR bucket list, there's a picture of the metal hanger in there, so you can you can check that out. Uh, it's also I ju- also just released it on digital, so you can actually download it off Amazon. It's in like a it's good only for tablets and phones essentially because it's like a digital PDF, uh, but it is color, and the links on it are actually active, so you can actually download it to your phone or your tablet, and then click on stuff, and it directs you to their website and stuff like that. So. Or if you like the hard copy, I prefer hard copy books myself. Uh, again, you order you can order that off TeamStrengthSpeed.com. All right, let's get into your charity, your organization there that you started. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, essentially it's it started as a blog, trying to understand my history and, and everything, um, trying to make sense of my, my past. Uh, didn't want it just to disappear, you know what I mean? Cause I said that, you know, that big transition I had, you know, it's like I could essentially just kind of forget about that part of my life if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. So I started blogging about it and I just kept asking, you know, the question, what's next, you know, what's the purpose of this? And, and eventually it kind of grew into, um, wanting to be addicted to life is what it was about. Right. And I'm sitting in bed one day and I'm trying to figure out, um, how to shorten that up because be addicted to life is like a it's just long long on the tongue and so i'm playing around with acronyms and i was like b a 2 l and i was like ah, how do it's, and it's oh that's battle oh that'd be sweet you know so i just end up calling it battle um be addicted to life and what it's really about is trying to provide health coaching to people that can't afford it um you know health is a huge huge component and and staying clean um and just uh grow growing in general um you know when when we're living life of of uh, the criminal life that i had especially in in addiction i mean last thing we're doing is anything healthy i'm sure it's not going to the gym Um, i'm living off little debbie's and and pizza um i'm i'm not taking care of my body i'm not taking care of my mind i'm not taking care of my spirit and and so if we can help people who are going through recovery and whatever it is, you know, it might be you're recovering from um, food addiction or physical inactivity and just, um, or drug addiction or, or eating and um, like not eating, like whatever it is that you're addicted to, you know, when we can start adding health into the picture, like a whole health, your whole, whole person um, and being aware of, of how, the things we allow, the things that we read and the things that we, we, um, allow into our body, you know, through our senses, how they affect and nourish us as long. And as well as the things that we speak out and the words that we use and, you know, what we choose to write and how we choose to talk and, and the things that we choose to talk about to other people, how, how that is an expression of who, who we are, right. And how we're nourishing our body, um, all these things and just helping people, develop um that health side i think is vitally important in maintaining uh the healthy lifestyle free from addictions really unhealthy 
Yeah, well, it sounds like you're doing great work. I know the. I love that you you know you overcame your personal addictions, but then essentially stopped and reached back to helping hand for other people. I feel like that really fits into like the OCR community of you know climbing over the obstacle and then helping the next person get over it. So love that. Where can people find the uh, website and the information about it? Yeah, so it's um, www dot eric's battle so it's a-i-r-e-k um battle dot wordpress.com um it's also like on my instagram my handle is at eric spelled with an a-i-r-e-k underscore dilly d-i-l-l-e-y gotcha and once we the podcast publishes we'll actually post the link to your blog on the strength and speed facebook page so if anyone's interested we'll uh they can go check that out and peruse that Cool. What else you have before we let you go? What else you have planned for 2019? Man, I'm already I'm already starting to plan for 2020. Um, like my big goal this year was to be able to run up hills um, a lot better, and I, I, I I'm doing a lot better with that. And so I'm planning my race schedule for next year. Uh, DRX games. Um, uh, I'm thinking about doing the. Um, the pack series or whatever that, that um, something about the pack, Wolf Pack, and then I have a couple stadiums that I want to do by the end of the year. Um, but mainly, I want to really spend a lot of time with my my future wife and and my daughter and my son because this this whole summer has been all about racing and I, I got to get back to you know those and trying to keep everyone you know involved in my life more. Yeah, it's a tricky balance. Yeah, tricky balance. yeah. You know, it's, it's it's so nice when when family members are understanding and they work with me. You know, like my mom, um, she's been working with me a lot, and you know, my son, he's I'm I'm gonna pick him up Saturday tomorrow after the race, and he's gonna stay for the whole week. Super excited about that. Um, Noram's coming up, so I'm super excited about that too. There's there's a lot of fun stuff that's happening. Yeah. All right, before we let you go, any final shout-outs you want to give, fan, friends, family, sponsors, anything else? Yeah, just a, a real huge, massive thanks to Lee and Lisa Emerson from uh, Nightmare Challenge. Without them, seriously, my race career would be virtually almost non-existent. So they are amazing. Um, and Nightmare Challenge, I love the, the OCR grand slam um i can't wait to see more and more people start uh enjoying these races and and supporting this this cause all these all the um many of the the registrations they they go to different charities too so um i think and of course my my girlfriend Teresa, my son peyton and my daughter azalea Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Your story was incredible. I mean, I knew the I knew the wave tops of it beforehand, but I did not know all the details. And I love when I bring a guest on and they start talking. I'm like, damn, this is this is really good information. Like <laughs> it's serious, it's moving. It's um, you know, and then the m- most important part is you you pull yourself out of the depth, right? Like um, yeah. you know, that you can it shows like you can you can hit low and and recover. And, uh, you know, have a successful life and career and stuff like that afterwards. And uh, like I said, with you reaching back to help other people, I think that's super inspiring also. So uh, thank you for all the work you've been doing. 
uh, in that front. Yeah. And um, yeah, thanks a lot, Evan, for uh, for having me on. Yeah, it's been great, and I will see you at North American Championships. Um, I'll this see pod- you at Yeah, this podcast will come out probably just before that. So any of our listeners, I'll see you there. Also, make sure you stop by the booth. We will have a booth set up at North American OCR Championships. We'll be selling some books and some blag mitts. So feel free to stop by and say hi, just a BS for a while, or pick up a copy of a book, or you know, do whatever. I think I'm also going to bring my actual Norma Tech pants, like the inflatable recovery pants that inflate by zones. So if anyone wants to get, in, if, if like Leah says, if anyone wants to get in my pants, um, you'll have that opportunity <laughs> at NORM. Um, so I'm going to bring those out to the event. So help people recover and kind of prepare for the next day. Yeah, that'll all be at the table, which will be inside uh, Thursday, which is the registration day. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it'll actually be out uh, kind of under that cover area, that main part uh, where the um, Force 5 slash mud gear rig was last year. Mm, come yeah, out, yeah. come by, hang out. I can watch your bag for you. You can uh, we'll have people at the table the whole time. Uh, and that goes for all our listeners. Just kind of mention the podcast and, you know, welcome to crash there and hang out and kill some time. And that's about it. Uh, Eric, I'll see you in a couple of weeks and um, the listeners, I'll see you in a couple of weeks also. And I hope everyone has a good weekend. 